Good morning again. <coughs> Excuse me. If you would find in your Bibles Luke, <coughs> goodness, Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then it's right between chapter one and chapter three. Luke two. While you're getting there, let's uh, let's pray together. Lord, thank you once again that we have the opportunity to open your word. We recognize that um, that the Bible is something that you have preserved and given to us to teach us about you. It's a holy book. It's it's able to um, uh, it's able to shape us and mold us. It's able to direct us. Um, Lord, we ask that you would do that through your word and through your spirit today, that you would um, help us to learn more about you, but even um, even more help us to know um, how to live our life and how to uh, interact with you uh, as we live our life and, and help us to realize how we should interact with the world because of all that. And Lord, we, um, we submit that to you today. We submit our lives and say, um, have your way with us. If there's anything that you need to mold and shape in us today, do it. Help us to look more like Jesus because we have met with you today. Well, we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, um, all my ladies in my household want me to try out long hair. So if you're wondering and going, boy, he just needs a haircut. That's what's going on. So I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot. So um, if, if, you know, in the next couple months I come and my head's shaved, you'll know I, d- I couldn't stand it any longer. So just to, just to give you a, a little background. <laughs> Thank you very much. So uh, most of you know Luke chapter 2, but really the story starts about 1,500 years prior to where we're going to pick it up in Luke. It's, it's kind of interesting to have a um, story that starts 1,500 years beforehand, but this one really does. If you remember, and I'm sure most of you know the, the story of Israel being in Egypt. Um, Israel was a, a family group of about 70 people that uh, went down to Egypt to escape uh, a famine, ended up staying there, and grew into a nation. But it wasn't just a nation. It became a nation that was enslaved to the people of Egypt. And during that time, they, uh, they started crying out to God for their freedom, for their salvation. In the book of Exodus, in chapter 1, it says, And God heard. And then God at that time started, started to make a way for Israel to get out of Egypt. And I'm sure you remember the story. Moses uh, arises as the deliverer of Israel. Um, he goes to Pharaoh and starts to tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh, this is, uh, and this is God speaking through Moses, said, uh, Israel is my firstborn son. Let him go. And Pharaoh says, I've got a really good deal. I've got this whole people that are my slaves doing labor for basically for free. You know, I give them some food, I give them some water, I give them some things to, um, to make the stuff with. 
but this is a whole nation of slaves. Why am I going to just let them go? And as you know, God delivered Israel up with a mighty hand. He sent many plagues. He sent, uh, he sent flies and gnats and frogs, and he, he made the water turn into blood. He uh, made it dark until in Pharaoh, it says his heart was hardened. So he'd say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to let you go. And then, then he'd say, nope, never mind. Oh, I'm going to let him go. Nope, never mind. And God finally says, okay, one last plague. And then you're going to let him go. And Moses prepared the people of Israel for that one last plague because he said, the uh, destroying angel is going to go all through Egypt and every firstborn will die. Every firstborn of man and beast, they're all going to die that night. So Israel, what you know is, is they, they took a lamb and they celebrated the Passover. They slaughtered the lamb and they put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. And they stayed inside and that the angel went through all of Egypt and all of the firstborn, the firstborn of, of, of you know, firstborn boys, um, the firstborn of the cattle, you know, they, they all died that night except for those who had the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. Now when Israel, the, at, um, Egypt finally said, okay, Israel, get out. And, you know, Israel went out. But once they did, God said, look, I killed all the firstborn in Egypt so you could let be let go, but now all of your firstborn belong to me. So he took the tribe of Levi, and then he instituted an ordinance uh, for those who were um, uh, the firstborn that were more than what the tribe of Levi um, uh, were in, in number. God said, okay, your firstborn still belong to me. You have to pay uh, five shekels for each firstborn. So everybody did that. It was an ordinance that, that went on down through the ages. That if you had a firstborn boy, not a firstborn girl, but if it was a boy, you would have to go to the temple and you'd have to pay the, the I don't call it a tax, but it was, it was to buy back, to redeem that firstborn because that firstborn belonged to God. And actually there was a, a tradition in the ancient Near East that oftentimes the children would be sacrificed, the firstborn boys would be sacrificed to a god. Which, you know, if you remember Abraham, he took his firstborn. It, it wouldn't have been really that uncommon to take your firstborn and to sacrifice them to the god that you served. Now, of course, you know the story with Abraham, that he took his firstborn Isaac up and he started to sacrifice him. And God said, whoa, 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 whoa. And then God provided the ram to buy back the sacrifice. Remember? Now watch in, in Luke 2. And when eight days had passed, so you, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to pause again. Um, this, we, we pick up the story in the middle. You know, this, we talked a little bit last week. Um, Joseph and Mary had gone to Bethlehem, right? Uh, Jesus, we, we just saw in the video, Jesus was born in the, in the stable in Bethlehem. The uh, shepherds had come. They had, had hailed Jesus. Uh, and then uh, after, right after that, we pick up the story, okay? So the shepherds have just come. Jesus has just been born. The angels, everybody's singing glory, hallelujah. And then 
when eight days had passed, verse 21, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, or Joshua, Yeshua, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, which had been another 30, um, uh, 33 days, so this would be the, about the 40th day after Jesus was born, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord... You're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple serving night and day with fasting and prayer. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, did you happen to get the irony in that story? This passage is really all about is, a, is really a, an ironic passage. If you don't get the irony, then you won't really quite get what Luke is trying to say. See, this passage, you might look and go, okay, well, we've got things about Jesus. You know, why, would, why would Luke put this in? Why would he have this, this little passage about them going up to Jerusalem and then presenting the, this, that, and the other and doing the law and all of a sudden Simeon and Anna... Um, let me tell you what irony is. It's a rhetorical device or a literary technique or event in which what on the surface appears to be the case or to be expected differs radically from what is actually the case. And this passage is very, has a real sense of irony. And if you don't get it, you won't quite get what Luke is trying to do. So let me give you a little... Let, let, me, get, let me give you an example. And then I'm going to go back into the passage. It's kind of like this. Let's say you had a security guard at the Federal Reserve Bank building in, in New York City. Just as a... Um, where did my note go? There is uh, between six and seven tons of gold 
which is around $564.8 billion in the Federal Reserve. Okay? Five, $565-ish billion worth of gold. Let's say you've got a security guard there. Good security guard, faithful. He's on the job regularly. He takes care of the building, watches out for the gold, and the IRS audits him. And he goes into the uh, secretary of the you know, IRS and he sits down in his office and, and uh, he said, you know, the, the security guard tells me, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad you called me in. Let's just, um, let's just take care of this situation because uh, I'd really like to start taking some of this gold home with me. So um, let me just take care of this right now. And, and uh, the, the IRS guy goes, oh, boy, we've got, we've got a case on our hands really now, don't we? And so he, he pulls out of his pocket his wallet and takes out a $20 bill and puts it on the IRS agent's desk. He said, that, that should just about cover it for all the gold in the building. Um, can, I, can I go and start taking some of that home with me now? He was at the building, right? He took care of the building. He took care of the gold. He made sure it was, it was in good condition. He made sure that, that nobody stole the gold, right? He was stewarding it. Why not pay 20 bucks and go home with it? Now do you see? Mary and Joseph have this little baby who happens to be the son of God. They take this little baby to the temple and they take a small offering with them. God has given this son, like we said last week, God's given this son to Mary and to Joseph to steward, to bring up. But it's God's son. They go to the temple and they, 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 off, they say, okay, we're going to buy back this child of ours from God. But it was God's son in the first place. Now do you see? Here you've got Mary and Joseph buying back God's child from him and saying, okay, we'll take the child and we'll raise him. You see, right there, God is, is he, they're re- redeeming this child from God because all of the children of, e- of Israel really still were under that, that, um, that they, they were supposed to die when, when in Egypt, right? So, the redemption is recognizing that they were still under that and they were buying back. They were redeeming that child from God. They were, they were saying, okay, we're, we're going to redeem that, what, what should have been dead. We're going to redeem and say, thank you, God, for keeping them alive because it was by the blood that kept them alive. Right? They, should have, they could have died too. They should have died in Egypt. But the blood kept them alive and so what was supposed to be dead and what was supposed to be consecrated to God, they are recognizing that they, that in fact was God's, but they were going to steward for God. And as the story goes, Mary, uh, you know, Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus to the, to the temple in Jerusalem, like I said, about 40 days after, after Mary had had um, Jesus. Now, consider this. Uh, all you ladies who have had children, 
<clears throat> I know that 40 days is, is a little bit of time, but um, think this was, they just had a baby without modern medicine, without the hospital, in a stable. It probably was, it wasn't very far to Jerusalem from Bethlehem, but still, you know, it's probably not something that you really wanted to do. So you've got this kind of haggard couple coming in, right? Presenting this little baby, ironically, buying this baby back from God. And you've got Simeon, who sees this couple coming in with this little baby. And all of a sudden, he says, this is what I've been hoping for. This is what I've been longing for. Now, we we don't know too much about Simeon. We, We consider that he's probably older. Don't know that. He could have been, you know, my age. He could have been a little bit younger than me. I don't know. But the way it talks, it, it says he's been looking for, that God had promised that he would see the, salva- the Savior of Israel. And he says, this is, this is what I have been promised from the Lord. Um, Now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. And this, that's verse 29. This, it's a really interesting word to use. It says, now, now Lord. Um, the word there, usually in, in the Greek, usually when you see Lord, it, the word is kurios. Uh, okay? You know, you've heard of the kurie eleison, right? Anybody heard, heard of kurie eleison? It's a song, you know. Um, it means, uh, Lord, have mercy. Okay, so Kyrios is, is Lord. Oftentimes it's for, um, used for sir even. Like you, you would say, uh, mister, um, uh, it's, it's Kyrios. But this is a different word. It's actually the, uh, the word where we get the word despot, right? So it's, it's used as Lord, but it's almost this master-servant, master-slave relationship, okay? So, so Simeon says, now... Lord, your slave can depart in peace. Gives you an idea of, of how Simeon, um, what, how he saw, it, it, you know, he was a servant of the Lord. By the way, that's really kind of how Paul recognizes himself. I'm a bondservant of Jesus. Simeon is a, a, a servant to his master and Lord. He's, uh, he's, and it says that he's filled by the Holy Spirit, which is really, really interesting. Uh, remember, this is still, uh, and our, our Bible is divided into Old Testament and New Testament, right? But this is still Old Testament times. It may be in the New Testament, right? But Jesus had not died yet, okay? The Holy Spirit had not come, come yet. So this is an Old Testament story, even though it's in the New Testament. And it says that Simeon is filled by the Spirit. And it seems like that he's almost continually filled by the Spirit, which is almost totally unheard of from in the Old Testament. There's very, very few people that the, the Holy Spirit filled in the Old Testament. Um, you know, there was the guy to, to work on the temple, and then every once in a while a prophet would be filled by the Spirit. But to say this guy was filled by the Spirit, that should have you know, lights going off everywhere. This guy was an Old Testament uh, guy who was in the temple, Simeon, who was filled by the Spirit of God. 
radical for the Old Testament time. He sees Jesus and his parents and goes and says that this, he has seen the comfort of Israel. My, uh, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples, the light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Let me pause right there just another second, something I forgot to mention a few minutes ago. Does everybody remember when the temple was built, the original temple? Remember who built the original temple? Solomon, right? Do you remember, okay, Solomon builds the temple and then he dedicates it and prays for it. Do you remember what happens? Huh? Right. The glory of God fills the temple. Whoop! To such a degree that the Levites couldn't even go in. They, could, they couldn't even go in to, to do all the stuff that they're supposed to be doing because the glory of God was so powerfully on the temple at that time that people couldn't even stand to go into it. Then, as you know, when, it, when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, the temple was destroyed. And then so they have the second temple which was built, you remember Nehemiah and Ezra, uh, you know, it's at that time they're starting to rebuild the temple. But you know, once that temple was built, it doesn't ever say that the glory of God came back into it. So you've got now, for the first time, God entering back into that second temple. And how does he go in? As a little baby. And Simeon recognizes God in his temple. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, the light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. You see the glory? His father and mother, Mary and Joseph, were amazed. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Really, Simeon gives the entire point of the gospel. The entire message of the gospel is given right here. That, that the people of God were in, in peril. How many know if, you, if you're dying and going to hell, you're in peril? For, for Israel, they were under the rule of Rome. And not only were they under the rule of Rome, but they were under the rule of Herod, which is almost even worse than being under the rule of Rome. Because Herod was a tyrant. And they're, they're crying out again for the, their deliverance. And Simeon says, okay, the deliverer has come. Now we know that ultimately the deliverance is not just from Rome. That came later. It's not just from you know, Herod, which God took care of Herod too. But more than anything, it was the deliverance from our sin and death. 
he also says this, it wasn't just for Israel. Who, who here is, actually, is, a, is a Jew by blood? Okay? Aren't, aren't you glad that it is for not just Israel, it's for the Gentiles also? Which was a radical concept. This was huge. But he doesn't, he doesn't stop there. Just there. He says it's for the rise and the fall of many. I, I read one commentator that said, you know, it's, it's actually, it's like, you know, when Jesus said that he's, he's the rock that you can either stumble over, you're either going to stumble over and break, or it's going to either fall on you or you're going to fall on it. And the commentator said, look, it's like, it's like this. Unless you get rid of your pride, you're going to fall. And a lot of times you, all, you need to fall in order to get rid of your pride. But it's also for the rise. And they said that that, that word for resurrection is almost, almost exclusively in the New Testament talking about the resurrection. Jesus rising and the, and the resurrection of his people along with him. So it's for the fall and the rise of many, both Jews and Gentiles. So this is the, the whole concept of, of the gospel is that you are dead in your trespasses and sins and you are going to fall and you're going to die unless you accept the one that Simeon saw. And if you accept him, your inheritance is to rise. even talked about to Mary specifically <clears throat> that her soul would be pierced. Which we know that at Jesus' crucifixion, she was there. And then it was at you know, that time that she, her heart was, was absolutely was pierced by seeing her son crucified. So it even is re- referring to that that this salvation was not going to be by anything, but by something so bad it would pierce Mary's soul, which we know that that the crucifixion is really what brings us life. Then you have the prophetess Anna, which we don't know very much, but again, she's someone that um, this should, like, you know, have lights and bells and stuff around it because there were not many prophetesses spoken of in the Old Testament. Again, this is an Old Testament passage. Maybe in the New Testament, but you need to look at it as an Old Testament. There was Deborah, right? But that's about the only prophetess you know of in the Old Testament, right? Then you have Anna, who's a prophetess who was married for just a few years to her husband, and then it said pretty much spent all the rest of her days serving in the temple. At that very moment, this is verse 38, she came and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Did you get that? The redemption of Jerusalem. So Mary and Joseph, this, this passage is bookend by redemption. I'm going to start to try to 
lets you see the full irony of this. Okay, you got a little bit already. But it's bookended by redemption. You've got Mary and Joseph who go to the temple to redeem God's son back from him. But then Anna says that he is the redeemer. What? So the redeemed actually becomes the redeemer. The one redeemed from God actually becomes the redeemer. Um, there's, a, there's a passage in Revelation. It says, um, it's Revelation 5, 9. Just turn over there really quickly. If I can get there. I'm losing the sword drill today. It says, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So we were purchased for God. Jesus purchased us for God by his blood. You see that? See how that works? Jesus was purchased back from God. And then he of himself volunteers to die. He said, you know, nobody takes my life. I lay it down freely. Right? He volunteers. He says, okay, I'm going to do this. Then by his blood, he purchases everyone else. So, he's redeemed from God. Right? And then he becomes the redeemer who is God's son, he's, his blood, by his blood, he purchases each one of us. And then, of course, we know that he was declared in victory, the son of God, as he rose from the dead. See, there's a couple of things about this passage that we really, really need to get. I'm hoping you kind of got the irony and you, and you see you know, how this whole thing, you know, the, re- the redemption of Jesus, you know, his parents paying a little bit to, to have the Son of God. And, and they're like, not only that, but, but Simeon seeing this couple come in and go, oh, this is the Savior of Israel. A little bitty baby, you know, like less than two months old. The Savior of Israel, I'm ready to die now. This is great. Okay. Right? Hello? Anna, doing the same, a prophetess. Say, oh, this is, this is for the redemption of Israel. Well, we just redeemed him, but it's for redemption. You see it? But ultimately, there's a couple of things here. Number one, this is all about the gospel. This whole passage is about the gospel. And I know that most people in here know Jesus already as your Savior. Most of you people, most of those on listening on, online, I know that you know the gospel. I know that you have accepted Jesus. But I need to say it one more time. You have to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And that 
he came as this little baby and that that he volunteered and said, okay, I'm going to die and I'm going to die because each one of us needs it. We all deserve death just like all those firstborn in Egypt. Every one of us deserves death. But God said, you know what? My son is going to purchase you if you'll let him. He's going to die so that you don't have to. And it takes us just, uh, it's a free gift, but it'll cost you everything. It's free because you can't purchase it with money. He's actually doing, he's the one doing the purchasing. But when you get purchased by his blood, you enter into that relationship like Simeon. Right, that you all of a sudden are purchased. Right, we, 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 don't, we don't like the thought of slavery. And that's a good thing. We shouldn't like the thought of slavery. Okay, it's not right for a man to own another man or woman. Right? But we also have to realize that we were bought. We were purchased. And just as Simeon said, hey, he's my master. If you have accepted Jesus, you now have a master. Now, it's a good master. It's one who loves you. He's one who takes care of you. He's one who, who, who brings you in. He's one that, that will, will take care of you every last day. He's, he's loving. He's, he's absolutely the best uh, dad and master that you ever. But that's what we need to realize that we are purchased. And that's the relationship you enter into. I'm going to just I'm going to follow you and I'm going to serve you every day of my life. It's about believing Jesus is who he said he was, but it's not just about believing. The demons believe. Right? And they're not saved. It's about believing and entering into that relationship to say, "Okay, I'm going to follow you." Whatever you say goes. But I want to take it a step further. See, Simeon saw something that I think most people wouldn't. Now, I don't know about you, but um, me, I would, I want to see this kind of glory come. I want to see that temple just filled with God's glory and presence so much that none of us can enter in. Right? Anybody else? And I'm praying for it. I'm believing for it. I want to see the uh, God come in such a way that everybody who walks through these doors gets healed. I'm praying for it. I'm believing for it. I want to see the day that, that God's presence is so manifest. That, that people can walk down the sidewalk here and say, look, I got whatever's in there, I've got to have it. And come in and get saved just immediately. Because not even, nobody has to even say a word to them. They just walk in the door and say, just give me whatever you have. I need it right now. Here's my life. Here, I'm, I'm ready to get saved. Praying for it. Believing for it. But what if God came in in such an unsuspecting form 
like a couple of really haggard parents with a little baby. Would you see? Would you look and say, that's what God is doing. That is the redemption. That's, that's the revival right there. That's, that is the, the, the way that, that Willimantic, that's the way that our Wyndham area, that's the way that this whole area of, of, of Connecticut is going to get transformed. What if it looked totally different? Totally different than anything we've ever seen or dreamed about. And the only way to see it is if you're Simeon and you're filled by the Spirit. The only way to see it is if you are so full of the Spirit of God that you know His very heartbeat. You're continually filled and you're continually serving and you're continually saying, Lord, this is all, this is it. This is all I'm, I'm living for. I'm just living to see your salvation. I'm living for this. And, and you're filled by the Spirit so that when, when that little thing comes in, that one person comes through the door. That little gift shows up. That one person gets saved. That one person gets healed. That one deliverance happens. The one little switch in town where you know that everything has changed. The only way to see it is by being filled continually by the Spirit of God. What that takes is, is that the passion, the life, the love, that relationship. If he said, you know, Lord, my master, I'm your bondservant. And I believe that's really what, one of the things we need right now more than anything because if we don't see the small that God does and recognize the small for what he's doing, then I'm not sure when he'll give us the big. You know, it's like uh, uh, Elijah recognizing God in the still small voice, in the, in the breeze. We don't have to have all the, the, the miracles and signs and wonders all the time. Do I want that? Absolutely. Am I praying for it? Absolutely. Do I believe it will happen? Absolutely. But I believe it's going to start by us recognizing when God does the little thing. When one more person starts coming to the church, and saying, oh, praise God for that. I'm hanging on to that. When one person gets saved, oh, praise God for that. I'm going to hang on to that. That's what, that's what I've been praying for. When you get that one person that you can, you can pour yourself into, oh, that's what I've been praying for. I've been hanging on to that. When you get that one person that, that comes up and they get prayed for and and all of a sudden, they, they, they 
get a change and a turn, and whether that's they, they get healed by, or they get delivered. All of a sudden, they, they, they say, you know what, hey, I was, uh, I was on alcohol, or I was on drugs, or I was on this or that, and say, you know, it's done, I'm, do- I'm done with it. They were addicted, all of a sudden they're not, and you say, praise God, that's what I've been praying for. But the question is, are we, gonna, are we going to recognize that as from God? Or are we just going to let it go by and just look for the huge? And we'll recognize these things from God if we'll all get in the Spirit. And I want to offer that to you today as well as to say, look, we need to be walking in the Spirit of God. If you don't know what that looks like, if you don't know what it looks like to be compl- to be filled by the Spirit, and it's something that that it needs. To, I believe it's a, a daily basis. Look, I, there's different times and seasons when God, where God comes and He moves dramatically, and I believe He will. But it's also this daily act where you're in His presence, where you are you're worshiping Him. You've got you've got worship music going on, you, you're in his word, you're praying, you're, you're seeking after him, and his spirit will just come. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's uh, dramatic, and sometimes it's just really this, this nice, kind of comfy, warm feeling over you, and you know that he's with you. When was the last time you were in his presence? Let's be there. Let's be there on a daily basis. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, and I believe that one of the, the that when you're filled with the Spirit, that there is a um, that there are evidences through the gifts of the Spirit that happen um, in the New Testament. That you know people uh, they spoke in tongues and or prophesied, and I believe that's for everyone. That if you want to have that as an evidence that that the Spirit is fallen upon you, I believe that's yours. If you, uh, other, I mean, I believe there's other ways that the gifts operate when the when the spirit falls, but um, I want to encourage you if you've not been filled with the spirit, if you, or if you just need that daily dose, you can get it for yourself. Or please, let me pray for you. So, salvation. Number one, got to get it. Number two, we've got to be filled with the Spirit. Not just the once. You know, in Ephesians it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be continually filled by the Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a, let's do this on a daily basis. And then, when God starts to move, when he brings that one little thing in. Will you see like Simeon did? Or will you chalk it up to something else? Let's see like Simeon. Let me pray. Lord, first, Lord, I ask that everyone either here or listening, if they don't know you, Lord, I ask that you convict them and bring everyone who needs to know to salvation. Let everyone who hears my voice 
Lord, whether they're listening live right now or it's a um, they're listening on a recorded basis, Lord, don't let anybody get past right now without saying, I need Jesus. Convict them and bring them in. Let them submit their life and their heart. And for those who for those who need to be filled with the Spirit, Lord, I pray that you will do that. Lord, I pray that you'll convict those who need the Spirit of God to come in their lives. I pray that you'll um, bring them Well, we need to be operating at full strength for you. We need to be able to see everything that you're doing. Every little thing. So when we see the little, we'll also see the big. Lord, I pray that you'll show us how to do that better spending time with you or, or however it is that we need to do to, to just get into your presence. Help us to do it more. And Lord, I bless each person here, those who are listening at home. Lord, with the authority that you have given to me, I place a a hedge of fire around each one, around their families, that they will be protected on every side. That no sickness would be able to come near them, no accident. Lord, that your provision would fall upon them your peace would be upon them. That your salvation would come to their homes. And not just salvation as in um, they'll know you, but the fullness of your salvation. The health, the life, the healing, the hope, the joy, the peace, that everything that you are will enter into their home and enter into their life. Lord, for those who are traveling this week, I pray your your protection over them, their car, whatever means of transportation they're they're using, with like car or train or 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 a um, airplane. Or Lord, I pray your protection over all those who are traveling. Lord, I pray that the time with family this week will be sweet. <clears throat> It'll be a time of of um, celebrating you and celebrating the families that you have given to us. Lord, I release your joy and peace over each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.